The Breakdown Politics with Mercer Prescott and his band of eclectic cronies telling you what you need to know regarding politics breaking it down politics and uh welcome to another episode of politics I'm a uh, Big Merce. We got uh, Odie with us today. Hey, guys. And uh, Mr. Blue will come on uh, whenever he can. You know, it's a weekday. People got to work. <laughs> Even me for that sweet, sweet time and a half. But um, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not rich enough to take Martin Luther King Day off. I was like, look, oh, I get a, free, I get a day off. Oh, wait, we get time and a half today? Well, maybe I'll work. (laughs) Yeah, um, we were kind of talking about this before the show started, but um, I'm going to make it my tradition uh, to just find another black figure to recognize and make my own holiday, just use my own PTO um, on that person of color's birthday. Um, On my short list, I guess, would be, uh, what's my man's name? In addition to Marcus Garvey, there's another one I'm thinking of. Uh, I think you just added earlier to, right. you know, just see some other visionaries that we don't necessarily recognize that may deserve a holiday. Um, so I'll just make my own personal holiday and take the day off. And then I'll make sure I put it on the work calendar so everybody sees why I'm off, <laughs> not just as PTO, but as so-and-so's birthday. <laughs> Oda plays out the office. So I'm not, making I'm not making this up to be funny, but I have a, I have a friend of mine when we used to work together. She used to take uh, March 9th off every year because that's the day that Biggie Smalls died. So she would actually, mm-hmm. she would actually take Biggie's death day off every year. <laughs> and then like, like, what does she do on that day? I, know some, I actually know somebody that takes off Tupac's birthday, I think. It's his birthday. It's not the day he died. It's his actual birthday. I think his birthday is like June or something. Anyway. She takes his birthday off. I know somebody that does that, or she used to a long time ago. Yeah, yeah so like these people that you know they have their thing. Like, but I just want to like recognize, you know, other people. Right. And and usually, you know, I, I know last year we talked about uh, Martin Luther King. We talked about uh, I talked about Stevie Wonder because I, I read more into it and I found it to be really fascinating how Stevie Wonder pretty much put his career on hold to tour the country in support of a national Martin Luther King holiday, you know? Mm. And, and uh, I, I have that album, uh, Hotter Than July, and Happy Birthday is one of the most misused songs ever because every kid's birthday party I went to that year, they would, they would play Happy Birthday when they go to cut the cake. And, I, and you know, I, I read the line, and I was I'm like, you ain't no Martin Luther King. Put on Ring My Bell. <laughs> Don't put that song on. That's not like that song's not for you. <laughs> you know, I saw um, an, an article earlier today. I I need to go back and read it, but um, my church home in New York is is in the Bronx. It's actually a Presbyterian church. You know, it's not Baptist um, or even Episcopal. Episcopal, um, but it's it was posted by the pastor of that church. So I have to go back and read it, but I know I've marked it for later. I was like, oh, i got to come back to that because it had a really interesting title, and it mm-hmm. talks about the canonization of Martin Luther King 
um, over the years, and then it's tied into someone else's tweet on, on you know on a completely unrelated person's timeline. Um, they posted where they said in uh, 1966, only 33% of people found Martin Luther King favorably. Um, 63% found him to be unfavorable. And in 2011, uh, 94% favorable and 4% unfavorable. So this is, to me, speak to Colin Kaepernick, even Muhammad Ali when he passed. Mm-hmm how people are glorified once time passes. Um, and I just wonder what the people who were, you know, front lines during when the hoses were being put on black people and when they were spitting on little black kids that wanted to go to an integrated school, like those people in 1960-whatever are memorialized in these photos as being these nasty, vile, ugly people. And you think about the white kids this past weekend even, you know, taunting Native American elders, uh, mm-hmm. or at least one, um, who were peacefully protesting, taunting them, telling, like, chanting, build a wall. It's just like, in that moment, in, like, in that snapshot, like, that's, this is how you really want to go down? Like, this is how you want to be remembered to people that don't even know you, that will look at this, 60 years from now as you being in the wrong because we've seen it happen so many times before. I just, I just think it's an interesting phenomenon. I, well, I can't wait to read that article because I know it's going to touch on that. Yeah, and, and, and you figure I've seen a lot of memes where they're comparing the picture of that smarmy little bastard in front of uh, Nathan Phillips, I believe his name is. So he's in, he's in Nathan Phillips' face, right? And then they, they juxtapose it with the lunch counter strikes. And then they show the black folks sitting at the lunch counters and white people like pouring drinks and stuff on them. Or the little girl going to integrated school and then uh, getting yelled at by the students, people spitting on her. So it's basically a matter of just history constantly repeating itself. Like you can't expect people of color to just forget that racism exists when racism is not going away. And when you have, you know, a bunch of you know, Catholic school kids. And, and you, know, you know what I thought? You know, I, I'm always very cynical because, you know, they, they go to this Catholic school and then the Catholic school was like, oh, we're going to look into it. We're going to investigate. And I was like, oh, the Catholics are going to investigate. That ought to go someplace. Hear that all those kids that got raped by, by your priests? They're going to investigate. We are going to protect them. Basically, or or you know what they're gonna do? They're, they're gonna tell the kids. They're gonna tell them to lay low until it blows over, and then business as usual. They're not gonna do they, shit. They um they already took down their social media page. They took down their Facebook page at least. Yeah, they they, they didn't they didn't, didn't want to hear from us anymore. Because in this day and age, it's so they put it like this: all those guys at the lunch counter who were messing with those protesters, they're never. I mean, I don't know their names, but now in the age of social media, put it like this. By the time I scrolled up to the third article on that, on that story, we knew exactly who they were and what school they went to. So in the age of social media, you get found out just like that, and you're going to be immortalized as a douchebag 
forever. That's never yeah. going away. You think when this kid goes to get a job in any place other than his neighborhood, <laughs> you think they're not going to remember that? Yeah, okay. He He's going to have yeah, a... I think that, that, that will be... That brings up a really good point. Like, that will be really interesting to see, like, how long, you know, the memory of social media is. And, you know, I I do routinely Google my own name. I just Googled it um, yesterday. I was actually looking for a newspaper article that had my name in it. Like, I remember uh, being a senior in high school, well, going, in, going into my senior year, we took photos. Mm-hmm. And... Um, my mom had just reminded me of this story. She played hooky from work to take me to take my senior photos. And um, and sure enough, the newspaper was there that day, and she was like, I can't be in a newspaper because I'm not even supposed to be here. <laughs> and, um, I just was randomly looking for that article, and I just Googled my name. I didn't find the article, but I was very pleased with the results at least, um, especially because my name is so unique. It's not like a you know John Smith where... You know, I, that'll be interesting to see, too, like when we now see, like, maybe the next generation of kids after the millennials where they maybe start naming their kids basic-ass names that are really, really hard to search. I right. think that'll be interesting. Maybe they'll start going back to basic-ass names, so it'll be too hard to locate them. I, I, I joke about it. Like, I, I know my dad named, you know, me and my brothers and sisters, like, you know, Lisa, Danny, Johnny, because he wanted us to get jobs. Because he didn't know anything about social media back then. You know, I mean, that was back in, like, the 70s when we were born. But I guess he just figured, look, I want my kids to be able to get jobs. <laughs> so let me name them some quote-unquote normal names, because normal is all a relative term, you know. <laughs> all right. So, but I, I will say something. I got uh, have you ever been retweeted by somebody that you on, on Twitter that, that you really like? Have I ever been retweeted? Yeah, I mean, I mean by somebody who you on Twitter that, that like, like someone that you follow on Twitter, like a like a uh, even no, like a local celebrity. I don't, I don't actively use Twitter, but okay, um, I've gotten like a couple of likes and responses or engagement, but not from any, not from the people that I was actually tweeting. So no. okay, I follow. Um, I watch a Majority Report with Sam Cedar. I watch it just about every day. And um, there's a, I don't know if it's his partner, but there's a guy on there, Michael Brooks. So he's like a internet pundit, you know, he, and he's on the show. And then he also has uh, the Michael Brooks show, you know. So um, they, they uh, broadcast out of Brooklyn. So Michael Brooks is all up on, you know, hip hop and all that other stuff. So he had a tweet where he, you know, like how, like on Facebook, you just like, uh, you know, I post a link from a song or something like that. He did that with the uh, with the Fujis, and he did a uh, Fuji La, you know, from the from the score. And um, I uh, got on there and I told the story, which is which was true. I saw the Fujis perform live at Howard University when they were pushing their first album, when okay. they were push, when they were pushing uh, actually their first single when Booth Bath came out, and um, they were amazing. They ripped it. And they were so good that every other act that came on after them was either booed or ignored, which was absolutely true. And I felt bad for this one group because it was like a band, like a mint condition type band. And as soon as they started playing, people were just like, oh, and they walked away. People were like, bring back the Fugees. 
<laughs> they, they were that good. And they hadn't even come out with their first album yet. They were still mm. pushing that first single. And, they, they, you know, they were, like, tossing, like, uh, cassettes. This, this is how long ago. Was it tossing, like, cassette singles into the crowd? It was awesome. But um, he actually, uh, he, he retweeted that. You know, and I was like, oh, but I was like, oh, that's dope. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, mean, I think the, the only two celebrities um, or quasi-celebrities, whatever, that I've engaged with on social media um, are, well, three, actually. And, and it's all been on Instagram. Heather B., uh, Gucci Flade from uh, Camp Lo, mm-hmm. and... Um, Supa was in Supa. She's she's like um, she just had a huge year last year. She's um, from New Orleans and she sells makeup and stuff. But even okay. though I don't wear makeup, I find her very entertaining. And she's like liked a couple of my comments on her Instagram post. So I was like, all okay. right. And um, Gucci Slade followed me on Instagram. So that's about it. You know what? If if I get Pat Oswalt to retweet something I write. I'll be like, you know what? I could just die a happy man. <laughs> I follow like, like I'll follow. Um, I just started following Ice T. I didn't know Ice T had an Instagram account. And um, and who else do I follow? Like uh, Chris Evans from uh, you know, Captain America. Um, you know, I follow mostly like political figures on Twitter, but I do I do some entertainers and some comedians. Like I follow George Wallace, a comedian. Ah, he brightens up my day. He's ridiculous. I love George Wallace. <laughs> He's still funny after all these years. So, but um, speaking of Twitter, I threw out a challenge. I know Saturday we talked about Travis Scott, right? And I was I was pretty harsh on Travis, you know, and I felt bad. Well, not really, but I mean, I was kind of. I didn't really talk about Big Boy all that much, and then. I kind of gave Gladys Knight a pass because, you know, she's an, she's an American icon. So I kind of gave her a pass, you know, on the whole singing the national anthem thing because at least she tried to make up some half-ass excuse. Well, so did Travis Scott, but. So I just said, you know what? So that, that quote that I, what I put up on Facebook uh, over the weekend, I put the same thing up on Twitter, and I added uh, Travis Scott because I'm like, you know what? I want to smoke with his fans. Because I want his fans to read that and, and, and to get at me. Because I want to, maybe, maybe they'll tell me something that I didn't know about this whole situation. Maybe they'll, they'll, maybe they'll tell me something that TMZ didn't say. And you know, you know what I got back? Nothing. No one took me up on it. And I was just like, man, y'all suck. Y'all, y'all not even trying to support your boy. <laughs> y'all not even trying to give any clap back, you know. Because I, I, I will say this. I have Bernie Sanders as my avatar. I get clapped back all the time from people, right? So uh, today's Martin Luther King Day, and as expected, well, not as expected like I'm guessing because she said she was going to do it, Kamala Harris is going to run for president, right? So she, yeah. she, announced, she announced today that she's going to run. Yeah, it was pretty expected. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause I think she said that she was gonna. She that I think she said she was gonna announce today. And when she announced, because that's why when it came up, I was like, came up my Yahoo feed. I was like, she already said she was. And I said, oh no, she said that she was thinking about it and was gonna announce on, on MLK Day. So I'm like, all right. But 
and of course, you know, I, me being the, the, the grungy, you know, cynic, I come on, uh, I went on one of those pages that didn't after, and I basically said, if you're funded by Wall Street, I can't support you, right? So this, this girl comes up, and I don't want to call them social justice warriors, right? I just call them whiny little bitches. Because to me, being a social justice warrior is a good thing because you're fighting for people's rights. So when someone annoys me and I call them a social justice warrior, I'm just taking the goodness out of that word. You're just a whiny little bitch, you know? So this whiny little bitch came up and she was just like, because Bernie Sanders is my avatar, right? So they were like, oh, well, you support a guy who was funded by the NRA and writes uh, writes, a rape fantasies about women. And I was like, and I wrote it back, I was like, that's the best you can come up with? An article he wrote 40 years ago and uh, the NRA? I'm like, that's the best you could do. You couldn't come up with nothing else bad about Bernie Sanders except that. That article he wrote in a, a local Vermont newspaper in 1974. And it was, a, it was a commentary on gender roles of men and women. And he was actually talking about why, uh, how some people actually get off on rape. Because they, you know, like, or, or like why if somebody, if a newspaper writes an article about a 12-year-old girl being raped, like why does that sell newspapers? Mm. So... You know, they dug that article up because, you know, when somebody's running for president, even Mother Jones in on that because they're the ones who found that article. And I'm like, where the fuck did Mother Jones find that article from a local newspaper from 40 years ago? Anyway, um, people keep throwing that in Bernie's face. But put it like this. If the, if the article was going to be that bad or if, it was Bernie, if he was glorifying rape in 1974, do you think the newspaper would have printed it? No, but you know, it, it, it's, I almost said social justice warrior, it's the whiny little bitches who, you know, if they don't like you, they'll find the littlest things to go about you. But I did find something else out that intrigued me. I looked into the whole thing about the NRA, right? Mm-hmm. Back in uh, the late 80s, going into, you know, Bernie Sanders was uh, mayor of Burlington, Vermont, and when he got elected, because they do it every two years, when he got elected, he only won by 10 votes. But uh, he served four terms as the mayor. And um, basically, and actually, uh, Washington Post had an excellent article on it, right? Um, Bernie couldn't, I mean, he tried six runs to get into the, get into the state house, Right? And he lost all six times, including in 1988 when he lost to a guy named uh, Smith. What was his name? Peter Smith, right? So he ran against him in 1990, right? And what happened was this. Peter Smith was an NRA darling, right? Now, Bernie Sanders had actually voted against a bill uh, for – Three-day waiting period, right? And, and this is on the state level. 
But he did it because, well, this is what he said. He did it because um, he felt that was something that was better left to the states and not on a, a national level or something like that. But, okay. but his stance on guns have always been about more of gun control, and he was definitely against assault rifles, right? Now, um, Peter Smith was all about uh, – he, he was an NRA darling, right? And then uh, – this is from Washington Post – he said he went to a hearing. He said, down in Washington, Smith made a disastrous rookie mistake. He went to a hearing, and he started to think. The hearing was not supposed to be about guns at all. The witnesses were students who had graduated from low-performing D.C. high schools and had gone on to college. Smith asked one woman what she wished she had more of in high school, and the girl replied, courage. She meant courage to confront the armed bullies who taunted her on the way to school. They said it personalized something, and it personalized something for me that had always been at arm's length. Smith recalled, which is that this woman lived in a culture of fear, and she faced danger and threat because of guns every day of her life. So now Smith uh, started to oppose gun control. I mean, I'm sorry, he started to. Um, well, let me put it like this: It said just a few months before, as a candidate, Smith had promised to oppose new forms of gun control. That's why the NRA supported him, and the NRA support was a major reason why he had won in Vermont, where guns are associated with hunting and moose and deer and not associated with committing crimes. But to the freshman congressman, all that didn't seem to matter much now. So basically what happened was, long story short, he was the NRA darling, and then he went against the NRA. So now the NRA was pissed. So now... Since Bernie Sanders was running against him, they backed Bernie Sanders, right? Now, it's not that – now, I couldn't find anything that says that the NRA gave him money. That I could not find, right? Because I wanted to know if they actually gave him a donation, and I couldn't find anything to that support. But Wayne LaPierre praised Bernie Sanders, saying that he was a man of integrity. And um, they ran attack ads against Peter Smith. So Bernie was in a position where, okay, I can't attack Peter Smith on his stance on guns because now his stance on guns is exactly the same as my stance. We're both against – we're both for gun control now, and we're both against assault rifles. So I can't attack him on the thing that I am for. So he basically just stood back and let the NRA do his dirty work. And, and, then Ber and that's how Bernie Sanders finally got in. And the NRA said that they've always regretted it because after Bernie got in, because here's what they were thinking, right? They were thinking, hey, listen, we're going to support Bernie Sanders and get him in to office. And then we're going to vote him out and put our guy in there. And uh, one of their people was like, you're never going to get him out. <laughs> Because he is actually, because he may not look like it, but he's actually a master politician. And that held to be true. Because after Bernie Sanders got in, he stopped taking calls from the NRA. Because they said that they would call him for meetings, and he would never return their calls. And every opponent that Bernie Sanders has ever had after that for, uh, for state office has always been backed by the NRA, and they couldn't unseat him. Mm-hmm. So that was actually how he actually finally got into the state house with the help of the NRA, with 
the unwitting help of the NRA because they figured, yeah, we'll use him to get the guy who betrayed us out, and then we'll get him out, and it didn't work that way. So when, they, so when that girl said that, oh, you know, Bernie was backed by the NRA, that's only half true. Yeah, they backed him because they thought they could get rid of him, and they couldn't. So I, I, I hate when people come in and just give bullshit reasons for not liking your opponent, you know. And that's going to happen with Kamala Harris a lot. They're going to make up ridiculous reasons to not like Kamala Harris. But, mm. but, but there's so much to not like her about that's actually true. But there's also a lot to like her about, uh, which would also be true. Because she also did a lot of good. But, you know, there was also a lot of questionable stuff. But the main thing that's always come up uh, is the whole thing with uh, One West Bank, Steve Mnuchin's bank. And the short version of it is she had a chance uh, to prosecute them when she was still um, DA in California. And she had a chance to prosecute them and didn't prosecute them. And then uh, he donated money to her re-election campaign, which was, um, that's a good question. It wasn't money that would make me say, oh my God, maybe like 10, 20,000, but it was, but it, but it, basically, but it was, it was just the appearance of, hey, you let this slide and I'm going to give you money because that, that would fall under uh, like a, a large, a large contribution. I forget what the limit is for large contributions. Because, you know, election laws are all over the place when it comes to money, you know. But um, I was watching uh, David Dole, uh, who calls himself the Rational National, and he had some, uh, he was talking about Kamala Harris. And um, actually, before I get into that, Jeff Stein from the Washington Post put up a uh, this is from this morning. Supposedly, key policy agendas for 2020 for Kamala Harris, and this is per her campaign aides, right? So, number one, she's going to support Medicare for all. But here's, here's something that comes in, and that's about trust. Yeah, Medicare for all is that thing that you say to get uh, liberals to like you. Yeah, but the problem is, do you have the courage of conviction to see it through? So it's just something that you say to get into the door. But see, are you really? I can't get behind. I can't get behind Medicare for all. I just can't. One, it writes me out of the equation as a mental health therapist. The only people that can build for mental health for mental health and substance abuse treatment, the only people that can build Medicare are licensed clinical social workers and licensed mental. Um, mental health social workers, um, licensed clinical addiction specialists, um, licensed professional counselors, licensed marriage family therapists cannot build Medicare. So that out the whole, you know, designation of professions, professionals. So that, if that's the moniker, well, one, you know, it can't, it ain't ever going to happen, period. But <laughs> if that's the moniker, it just makes me not be like, eh, no, think of something else. Until the lobbying boards figure out how to let everybody be able to build Medicare, you know what I'm saying? Well, put it like this, and, 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 that, and that's extremely valid because, you know, when we think of Medicare for all, we're looking at uh, health care as a whole, 
right? Mm-hmm. Just making sure people can get health care. But there's always the devil's always in the details. Because then there's things like, um, you know, mental health professionals and stuff like that. Like my dad is on Medicare, and I just found mm-hmm. out he pays for all his, his vision and dental out of pocket because Medicare doesn't cover vision and dental. No, right, you got to get a Part D or something. Yeah, he has to get, you know, he has to get, because I'm researching that for him now, he needs supplemental insurance to cover medical right. and dental. And luckily, supplemental insurance is cheap. For someone his age, it, so it's it not can be cheap. I have a client that pays one hundred and nine dollars a month. Ah, that's kind of. I mean, that's a lot more expensive than than what I was looking at. Yeah, you know, I guess it all depends on the who you were dealing with. Of course, she was looking at somebody on the Blue Cross and Blue Shield. So I guess mm-hmm. it really uh, depends on the insurer themselves. You know what I'm saying? Humana right. might be like only thirty dollars. You know what I'm saying? Um, uh, uh, the one with Aetna might be forty five. You know, it all depends. Blue Cross. Of course, they're going to rape you and think, oh, let me get you all the money I can, baby. And it's funny, you know, we got Blue Cross Blue Shield prominent in this area, and yet they do not do right by their consumers. You dig what I'm saying? Right. I was going for a private <laughs> policy outside of my agency, and they were talking about like $780 for a single person. If I had my kids, it would have been another 1100 Like, what? That's like a paycheck. You know, not quite a paycheck, but almost. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know. And and that's the one thing about I mean, with private insurance running the whole racket, you know they're free to do what they want. The bad thing about Obamacare, one of the bad things about Obamacare, was there were no cost controls, and that was a symptom of the lobbyists getting involved with it, you know, because now the the, the price has just been going up and up and up, you know. It's still. Better than it was before, but it's still, but it's getting steadily worse all the time because the Republicans pretty much did their best to break it, you know. You know, the Supreme Court did them dirty with the whole individual mandate thing, and it's just been downhill ever since, you know. The only thing that people love continually are the protections. So the protections against um, pre-existing conditions, which means that they can't be turned away and you can't be put in the high-risk pools if you have a pre-existing condition. I watched one of my coworkers who was a, who was a huge Trump fan. She thinks that she thinks like Donald Trump is like, you know, the bee's knees to the, to coin an old quote. But when the, when the thought of uh, her insurance came up, she was like, well, I have a pre-existing condition. What am I going to do? I'm like, you need to talk to your boyfriend, Donald Trump, because he's the one who's fucking this all up. Right. Don't don't cry to me. Don't cry to us about it. I didn't vote for that bastard. You did. Don't cry me or ever about this. Yeah, that's right. You, you didn't vote for no you. president. Hmm. Right. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but you know, like I said, Kamala Harris is doing the Medicare for all. She's saying uh, reduce racial disparity in childbirth deaths. Where did that come from? And how are you going to do that? Oh, that's big. That's big. Oh, they, I just seen a Senate hearing about that. That is big. It's basically saying that, you know, the let's say like a woman was, oh, this is the perfect one. The clip I seen was a man, he was on the Senate floor talking about it. His wife was, um, she delivered the baby and she was having some complications. And it's, oh, we'll get to you. We'll get you an MRI or whatever it was, the procedure was. And it was like 10 or 12 hours later. And she had already like, bled in or whatever is it when you bleed in i forgot what it's called and she died you know what i'm saying uh-huh. and it was just like a, across the board it's like they say um healthcare professionals like doctors 
nurse practitioners, whatever, um, physician assistants, they don't give the African-American or Latino women, let's just say women of color, the, right. uh, the, same, it, the same procedures and, um, you know, the things that take care of them, you know, oh, let's do this and let's do that, do that. Okay. That, that, okay. that the white women get. And they were saying there was a big disparity in that, and they were showing, like, information. And it was, like, into the hundreds of thousands of things that went wrong with African, well, women of color compared to white women for the same procedures. And that they were saying a, a very indicative um, indication that they did this for whites but did not do that for um, women of color. And that's what the disparity is. And they're saying they don't know where it's coming from. They said this is not the – it goes against their ideology of thought or their mantras, what they – to do not harm, and okay. it, it may be, they say in many cases it may be an insurance thing as they don't do everything they can for Medicaid clients or underinsured versus That's whites not. who may be. But they, they could, but they said they could not find a correlation there either. It was just black, white. No, it's really. not. Cause even when you're, like, insured, like Serena Williams has talked about this, and we know that she has great, like, she's an athlete. She's healthy. Mm-hmm. She's um, definitely rich. So we know she can afford, she can foot the bill. Even she had, to, like, right. she had to insist over and over again that, no, something is wrong. Something's not, something's not right with my baby. And she, had to die. Like, and she she almost died. So it, I saw it on a so TV if you, if you got morning the morning show that about that. Yeah, I'm sorry? Yeah, I remember that. I mean, yeah, yeah if you got the richest the richest, the, the, richest the, the same as the poorest of the poorest, it's definitely a color line. Yeah, the doctor got up there and said he was just like, for whatever reason, doctors just don't believe black women when they say they're in pain, period. Yeah, oh, you're a Mexican. Shut up, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I, I was definitely looking at it the wrong way because it just seemed very vague. You know, I didn't realize that there was a whole Oh, no, that's big. Home. That is really big, Merck. <laughs> if you're talking about healthcare, that is one of the main, that's top three. You know what I'm saying? I got you. I got you. So I'm going to have to look, look more into that. She's also talking about election security. Which, I, if it's what I think she's talking about, I can get behind, but I would need more information on it. I mean, this is a tweet, so it's not going to be, you know, it's not like it's on a website where there's yeah, a whole... Yeah, show detail. Right. Right. Um, yeah. Bill to encourage states to reduce cash bail. Now, her record in California on crime, had, I was reading through that article today, it's a, it's a definite mixed bag. And it's not mixed in the right way. But cash bail... That is something that I could get behind if it's what I think it is because, I mean, cash bail basically just is really disproportionate to people of uh, – to poor people. Not, I'm not even going to say just black people, but to poor people, you know. And now I have heard her speak about this directly herself um, right. where she speaks about, you know, that's not fair. It's supposed to be a just justice system and it's supposed to be fair and balanced not if you're poor not if we think you did it not you know any of those factors like your chances of getting out if you are non depending on the crime she's like that's what we should be judging it on is basically the seriousness of the crime not it has nothing to do with whether you can afford to or not she's right. like that's not justice so and she also said uh, $76 billion in tax credits for low-income renters. Now, here's, yeah. my, here, here's, here's my thing about that. <laughs> Don't we already have HUD for that? Thank you. That's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. Well, something like that. Not exactly the exact words, but we have a lot of low-income housing programs. Why do we need to put more money into that? And we over here 
making decent pay and struggling to pay our rent and struggling when it's time to pay, when it's time to move to a different place and have to pay um, a down payment, not a down payment, security deposit and all that because most of us live check to check. No, fuck that. Put it like this. Instead of giving tax credits for low-income renters, why, don't, why not just make the places affordable? So, so we don't need, I mean, especially for older folks, you know, because there was a big, uh, was it in Raleigh, where they were uh, tearing down uh, apartment complexes where a lot, of, um, a lot of elderly folks lived. To put yeah. up like, to, no, and they were, oh yeah, it's sweeping up. Yeah, a lot of my clients got um, discharged or are discharged from those. Exactly. Like, oh, you got to give you Section Eight, but then you got to find a Section Eight provider. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, where are these people supposed to go? You know. And then, last but not least, two points. I, I I read this backwards because this is this is the first thing she led with. Two point eight trillion in middle class tax cuts called the Lift Act. Let me tell you about. Tax cuts. Well, I can go with that. I, 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 I'm middle class. I can do that. Yeah, let's do that. And, 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 and this is where we're going to differ, Blue, because I don't believe... This is going to get some student loan discounts, right, Odie? <laughs> oh, oh not, it's not just Odie. I, I got some student loans, too. I'll put it like this. It's not, 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 not like us, though. I promise you. <laughs> <laughs> Those tax cuts are basically... They don't work. You know, it doesn't matter if it's for the middle class, for the rich, especially not for the rich. But it's not about cutting taxes because when we cut taxes from the rich or cut taxes from the middle class, it's still less money in the coffers. Now, with middle class, it's a little bit different because when they get that money back, they're going to spend it, and it's going to stay in the economy. When rich people get tax cuts, they take that money and they put it in the Cayman Islands. You know, they put it in their offshore. You know what I can get behind? This is what I need a, a candidate to say or do for real, for real. Reduce time of service that people can serve in the House of Representatives in the Senate. If the president is limited to eight, everybody limited to eight. You know what I'm saying? Right. Now, if you're in the House, you, your, your term, oh, oh, I see what you mean. Now, it would be a little bit wonky because Senate, their terms are six years. Right. Oh, yeah, we changed that. I mean, yeah, we're going to change something. We're not going to change the whole damn government. Because I think it's bullshit. I mean, it's really the, it's really the voters' fault, but when it's all said and done, people are in there, whoa, what is this thing telling me? Uh, people in there 20 and 30 years, like, how long has Mitch McConnell been doing his thing? And he just fucking up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, but, and he, he, well, here's, here's the thing. Oh, he's definitely fucking up. He hasn't done shit for Kentucky in 30 years. But what oh, you, but, but what you said is, is perfectly true. They're not doing anything about it. Right. But that's his, that's his base. His base. Well, I'd rather go with him than for what? He's killing y'all. Y'all hurting. Can't y'all see that? Are people undervote? How you got two million people in a whole state and only three hundred thousand vote? That's a problem. Right. Two million eligible voters and only three hundred thousand voted. What? Something's really wrong there. <laughs> now another thing they were getting on Kamala Harris about was where she gets her money, and my thing was it was her and Kristen Gillibrand, who I'll talk about in a moment. They had meetings with Wall Street to see about securing funding before okay, they announced before, that they were going to run for president. Before we even get into that, yeah. um, like, are you able to speak to, like, what needs to be done just to even run for president? Like, how does that process start for most candidates or for all candidates? Well, basically, well, anybody... Well, that's really the thing, though, you know? 
you do need money. Uh, but I mean, but as far as eligibility to run for president, you just have to be was it forty five years old? And over. Oh, thirty five. You're right. So you got to be thirty five and older, and and, and be uh, born in the United States, and that's it. Natural born American. You know what I mean? Like once you okay, once I I'm I'm thirty five or whatever, and mm-hmm. oh, go ahead, girl. Not, yet, not yet actually, but I'm hypothetically speaking, I'm thirty five. I want to run for oh. president. Obviously, I know like it helps to actually have experience, but you don't technically have to have experience. But like, if you want to run for a major party, as far as raising the money is concerned, like where would you start? Now that I'm not sure of, you know, because that's where oh, you don't you get it? Don't you don't the person? Okay, I mean, like in the beginning, oh, you okay? I know this one kind of sorta. You get it from like you know grass, not grassroots. You know donors, donators. You might have your own cough because you got to think everybody who pretty much went for it already had money in the bank. Nobody did it from the only one who did it from a grassroots perspective might have been Obama that I could think of. Maybe maybe Jimmy Carter. I don't know. That was way before my time. I can't call it. Um, yeah, I mean, so you, and then I guess after the fact you secure whatever they the Democrats or the Republicans have in their little. Cough if you're considered uh, the front runner, right, Mert? Right. Now here, you know, here, here, here's the thing. Now you don't have to run as part of the Republicans or Democrats. You can run independent. That's mm-hmm. that's not a yeah, you know that's. But you don't get that extra. You don't get that money though. Right. So in, in other words, if you ran as an independent, you wouldn't have the DNC or the RNC uh, helping you organize. You have to do all the organizing yourself, and it's a, it's a tremendous amount of work. And you would also have to have people to help you. Uh, organize your fundraising. So nowadays it's a little bit easier because now you don't have to have like uh, $1,000 plate dinners or anything like that. You can pretty much do most of it online. Like a lot of Bernie Sanders stuff was done online. And, and, and I'll, I'll go over this in just a second because they were talking about uh, Kamala Harris's fundraising. And this kind of feeds into what you were what you're talking about, Odie. One of the things that, that was, uh, was glaring in Kamala Harris's fundraising. And once again, th- thanks, thanks to David Dole, he put all this together. I just, I just took it from him. He helped me do half my research in no time at all. But um, for Kamala Harris, and, the, and this is between 2013 and 2018, so almost 60% of Kamala Harris's contributions came from large individual contributions. Now, they don't say how much a large... In- like what's the range for a large individual contribution, but 60% of what she, uh, for her elections came from large individual contributions, small individual contributions, which they say any contribution that's $200 or less, 32%, which, you know, for someone like Kamala Harris, who's more establishment is not bad. But if you compare it to somebody like Bernie Sanders, uh, Bernie Sanders, uh, 76% of his uh, campaign funds from the same period were from small individual contributions, and then he had 22% from large uh, individual contributions. Elizabeth Warren, uh, 55% of hers is from small individual contributions, 31% from large individual contributions. So it's harder but it can be done. You know, even someone like Beta O'Rourke, who I'm not fond of. Uh, well, okay, I fell out of love with Beta O'Rourke because I was all for him when he was running against Ted Cruz, and he was one of those guys where, like, the more I found out about him, 
the less I liked him. <laughs> but one of the things that he did is he got a lot of his money. I don't have a breakdown for Beto, but Beto got a lot of money from small uh, individual contributions. You know, a lot of people fell in behind him, you know. And on the Internet, it's become a lot, a lot easier to self-promote, you know. So until you get that money rolling in, you could do stuff on YouTube, on Instagram, and get people behind you. Well, the yeah. best way to self-promote would be to have a decent-ass voting record. Well, and, and that, that's the thing. If you're, uh, if you're just starting out, you won't have a voting record. So, that's, yeah, so that, that's what makes it tougher. Because, I mean, if you were somebody like Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren who has a great voting record, you could just fall in behind that. And then that's just like, look, proof is in the pudding. Look how I voted all these years. But if you're just starting yeah. out, like, that's why with Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, it was like a David and Goliath thing. Because she, like I said, before she ran for, uh, for office, she was just a waitress. You know? She had never run for public office before. And then, you know, her first time running for public yeah. office. But it was a lot of, she had a lot of people behind her and a lot of, you know, she, put it like this, she wore out shoes walking door to door talking to people. She did okay. that. She did that. AOC. But we can't call it AOC no more because it gets me confused with my other nonprofit article. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was telling Marcus. I was like, wait, AOC, wait. And I was like, I know, no. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, me and, me and uh, Odie, we're really big article supporters, so you really throw us off when you do that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's still better than having to say Alexander. But, that, but, she, but, it, but, it, but what I appreciate, it just shows how greeny she is. And that, like the Obama thing, uh, President Obama, when he became president, that basically saying, "Any, if you want it, it's possible. There doesn't seem to be no limits to success if you work for it or if you do what needs to be done. And I think right. it's a beautiful lesson for America, especially for our Latino and African-American boys and girls. Exactly. Because the illusion has always been you have to be some rich jackass in order to be a politician. A certain kind of education or a certain right. kind of Ivy League experience. Yeah, exactly. Or a certain I mean, fraternity or sorority. Yeah, I mean, to run for office, there's no educational requirement. Although, although, look at people like Louis Gohmert and all them, there should be, but there isn't. You know, so, it, you, you know, it doesn't matter if you're uh, went, graduated a top class from an Ivy League school or if you have a GED, you could still run for president or run for elected office. Well, I came to the studio late, but let me ask you, y'all might already spoke on this. Did y'all speak about, like, how many people are throwing their hats in the ring and how being so many hats, how divided we've become as, what they've become as a Democratic Party and how that may hurt. Oh, oh no, we, we, we've been divided since 2016. You know, I was just thinking about that while I was having lunch today. I laughed at the Republicans in 2016. I'm like, look at all these cats jumping out the clown car. <laughs> No Rubio, all I saw was a bunch of people coming out of a clown car. Oh man, that's funny how we all think and we be thinking alike and shit, kind of sort of. It's crazy, for real. I, I think they said twenty-two Democrats are throwing their hat in the ring. Like what? Can't you just get like have a meeting and decide who the three best are going to be, or just decide on well, one? Put it like this: that was one of the reasons why, and a lot of this is just rumor. So don't quote me on this. One of the reasons why a lot of people were mad at Bernie Sanders is because it seemed like, uh, I mean, Hillary had a couple people that ran against her, but nobody of any real consequence, 
You know, okay. there were just people who did, it was strictly just sparkle and fade. You know, okay. but a lot of the heavy hitters because Joe Biden was going to run in 2016, and all of a sudden he met with Obama, and all of a sudden he decided he wasn't going to run anymore. Like they were trying I mean, to just man. Really I think feel. Joe Biden could. I, I I hate to say it, but I really. I don't have the top. I don't have the um, time stone right now. But when I get it back from Thanos, I'll, I'll let y'all know for real, for real. But I know, in my heart, I believe Biden could have took that easy. I think it would have been like sixty-five, thirty-five or something. You know what I'm saying? He's just, even though he got some questionable shit in his past too, my yeah. brother. <laughs> I just think he could have easily beat Trump versus everything that Hillary had going on, and she just seems so hard in the face. It's hard. It's hard to like her. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But with Hillary, it was, it was like a weird dichotomy between Hillary and Bernie. The more people found out about Bernie, I knew who Bernie Sanders was because every now and then my TV would land on C-SPAN for some reason. And then Bernie Sanders would be here talking about income inequality. And, you know, I started listening to this cat. I'm like, you know, I like the cut of the gym, man. This dude really knows what he's talking about. You know, he was like the person who maybe watched C-SPAN, basically. And, um... The more people found out about Bernie, the more they liked him. And the more people found out about Hillary, the more they disliked her because she's not really that much of a likable person as people think. When she was on um, Hot 97, the whole hot sauce thing, you know, yes, it is known that Hillary Clinton keeps condiments in her purse. Hot sauce? Does she look like a hot sauce person to you? Get the fuck out of here. Pandering ass. But, um... But Joe Biden, that's Uncle Joe. I will tell you this. I was actually relieved when I found out Joe Biden was going to be Obama's vice president. Because I'm like, I know Joe Biden knows exactly what he's doing. And if anybody could guide Obama to victory, it would have been Joe Biden. I enjoyed watching Joe Biden whip the shit out of uh, Paul Ryan in the debates for the 2012 presidency. Thank you, man. Because Joe Biden was basically just checking him. He was just, and you know Joe Biden couldn't curse on national TV because Joe Biden will let him fly, but he was like, that's a bunch of malarkey. <laughs> like, I know he wanted to say, that's bullshit. He didn't really say that. But, um, yeah, no, I, I agree with you 100%. Uh, Joe Biden would have mopped the floor with Trump. Because Joe Biden is an experienced statesman. He wouldn't, he wouldn't have fallen for all that ridiculous dumb shit. And, but the only thing is, I think Joe Biden might have, like, when Trump kept interrupting him the way he did the, the way he did to uh, the Hillary, I think Joe Biden would have just ran up and just gave him a forearm shiver to the face after a while. No, nah, to be honest, that wouldn't even have happened, though. He just, Trump don't know nah, nah. so he disrespected her. That wouldn't have happened, you know what I'm saying? Right. No, nah, but I, 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 I wish Joe would have run, in, in retrospect, definite retrospect. You know, if Bernie was going to run, I wish Joe Biden would have run. And Joe Biden, may, Joe Biden may still run. We don't know yet, you know. But, yeah, it's starting to look like... Because my thinking is, you know, it's kind of like, it's kind of like a setup. It's like as the vice, if, the, if you have a strong vice president, he'll run for president right after you, you know what I'm saying? Right. I think the problem with running now is he's, kind of run out of steam. Like, I think he's, like, don't get me wrong, I still know that he's beloved, but, like, the pool has been so tainted, you know, yes. like, this guy should have never been able to get in and contaminate the whole country. You know, it's too much, it's it's a lot to clean up that 
the momentum is just not there. You know, but a lot it, of things, I mean, shit changes over months. Like, 45, the current president had no momentum. People were laughing at him until he gained steam. So, you know, who knows? I, I will tell you this. I didn't think that Donald Trump was going to be president. I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to pretend like I had that crystal ball. And this is an easy prediction. But after uh, Super Tuesday, I was just like, uh-oh. You know, because before he was like a joke president. It was like, like the butt of the jokes on, on, the, on the Simpsons, you know. And then but when, he, when he cleaned up on Super Tuesday, I was like, that's why I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> this could be trouble. Because, I mean, he basically, I mean, you had all these quote-unquote career politicians, and he made them look like idiots. And he didn't even do it with substance or anything. Just basically just called them names all day. He gave them nicknames. You know, Little Marco and Lion's Head, you know, and shit like that. You know, Low Energy Jeb. And it's basically the insult that a that an eight-year-old would give to people. And that resonates with his base, which was what? Poor, ignorant whites, correct? Basically, yeah. You know? And it, it, it was just, I'm watching this, and I'm like, I'm seeing it. I'm still not believing it. <laughs> I, I, I will, you know, I, I look at it like this, right? The same curse that the Republicans have is now bestowed on the Democrats because everybody is, is kind of like mumble rap, where it's just like, oh, is dude making money on rap? I can rap now because I forgot who was talking about it when, when, when Biggie and Tupac and Big Punisher, you know, I still can't say that line without messing it up. Dead in the middle of little Italy, little did we know that we riddled some middlemen who didn't do diddly. And he just says it effortlessly. I, I think that's the first time I said it right. <laughs> wow. You know, so when you got cats like that rapping, you know, just effortlessly, and now I'm just like, hip, hop, to hip, to the hip. Well, you know what? Maybe I should just get a job. I got you. I got you. You know, but... I think that's what it's like now. I think Trump has just lowered the bar where anybody thinks that they could just be president. Before, you had to be extraordinary to be a president. But between Bush Jr. and between Trump, the bar is in the dirt. You don't even got to jump. You just step over it now. So anybody thinks they could be president. Um, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a mess. Because, yeah, you're right. The Democratic Party is, has been divided, you know. And if Bernie runs, oh, forget about it. We were talking earlier about, you know, people online because, you know, Bernie Sanders is my avatar. And, they, and put it like this. If Bernie Sanders is my avatar, my avatar may as well just say, come at me, bro, because that's what everybody does. They're like, oh, well, you like Bernie Sanders? Well, let me tell you this ridiculous made-up thing about Bernie. And I'm like, yeah. Really? You mean that thing that I could just dispute in two seconds on Google? Jackasses. But it's going to be, well, put it like this, right? Kristen Gillibrand. Kristen Gillibrand is basically, she announced that she's going to be running for president. And people aren't that excited. Kristen Gillibrand is basically a political chameleon. Because when she was in, I think she was in the House in upstate New York, she was a bulldog Democrat. She, basically, she was basically a Republican with a D next to her name. She voted on all the Republican policies. And then she ran for uh, the Senate. She got um, 
Hillary Clinton's seat, right? And as soon as she got Hillary Clinton's seat, all of a sudden she's a progressive now. And she votes for all the progressive policies. And I'm like, so let me get this straight. Were you always a liberal and then just voted blue dog to keep your seat in upstate New York? Or are you always, or are you pretending to be a liberal now to keep the Senate seat in New York? Like, we don't know who the real her is. We don't know. I don't know the real Kristen Gillibrand because it's, it's any way the wind blows with her. So when she starts talking that liberal talk, I don't believe her. You know, you are allowed to change. You know, we talked about this last week. The difference between a flip-flop and evolution is time and information. Not, oh, I'm here now, so this is what I'll do to connect with the people. Because here's the thing. Let's just say, she, let's just say first of all, I know in the age of Trump, we can never say never. But with Kristen Gillibrand, I'm saying never. Okay? But let's just say in an alternate universe she became president. What's she going to do? Is she going to be upstate New York Kristen Gillibrand, or is she going to be, uh, I got Hillary's seat now, Kristen Gillibrand? I can't vote for that. You know? I know all, the, all these... Ghostbusters folks are going to come out and be like, oh, you're just saying that because she's a woman. No, I'm saying that because she's terrible. Yeah. And not, and, and have I... You reviewed her, have you reviewed her, her voting record? Well, that's the thing. Her voting record when she was in the House was all Republican. And now her voting record is all progressive. Uh, now that she's at Hillary Clinton... To me, it's not about Republican or not Republican. It's whether that, if it's a benefit to the mass or is it not a benefit to the mass. Well, that's the thing. When she was in upstate New York, when she was still in the House, it, she wasn't voting to benefit the people. She was voting uh, basically against the people. And then she got Hillary okay. Clinton's seat, and now she, she did a 180. <coughs> well, damn, fuck her, then. Yeah. You know, because like I said, if she, let's just say in an alternate universe she makes it, which Christian Gillibrand are we going to get? So... If you now if, about the Slim Shady song. Which one? Um, will the real Slim Shady please stand up? <laughs> exactly. You know, I. Uh, I'll put it like this, right? I know I talk a lot of shit about 2020. And about how you know what I'm going to do, Which, whichever, which, whichever, if Bernie doesn't run, or if Bernie runs and doesn't win, whatever piece of shit Democrat wins, I'll vote for them. But I'm not going to tell people I'm voting for them, just to fuck with them. I'm going to continue to say that I'm, that I'm that I'm Bernie or bust, you know. Now here's the thing: I live in we live in North Carolina. What does it matter? I mean, Hillary lost by she lost North Carolina by like. 170,000 votes, you know, that's not a slim margin. So it technically doesn't matter what I do. If I live in Ohio or Wisconsin or Michigan, that would be a different matter altogether, you know, because that's where she lost by, like, slim margins. Out here in North Carolina, who gives a shit if I vote for Hillary or or whatever Democrat or not? She's still going to lose, you know, because, you know, we live in North Carolina and we just – we're just in love with our own misery. <laughs> you put it like this. 
are the speaker of the house, or the speaker of the house in North Carolina invited Donald Trump to come and give this, the uh, State of Union address here in North Carolina. And I was just like, fuck is you doing? But, you know, that's their boy. You said our, gov- you said our governor did that? No, 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 no not, not the governor, the, the speaker of the house, the, the state speaker uh, of the house. Oh, God. That, not Cooper, our... guy, that Cooper guy, he's slick now. <laughs> no, 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 not our governor. Holy God, no. <laughs> Now, Roy Cooper would not do that, but unfortunately, it's not up to Roy Cooper. It's up to the the, the state speaker of the house. I will say one thing though before we wrap it up because we're almost out of time. Um, Donald Trump and his whole audit of deal thing is absolutely ridiculous because Donald Trump basically told them, told uh, the Democrats, "Look, we'll give you temporary protections on DACA, temporary now, and in return." You give me $5.7 billion for just the wall. And I couldn't find, I, I was reading it in the article. I was out with some friends, and um, I was at their house for dinner, and Trump came on TV about his, uh, about his proposal. And on the way home, I, I found the article, and it gave, it gave a breakdown of all this other stuff he wanted. So he wanted $5.7 billion for the wall and uh, more uh, Border Patrol agents, more judges, and all this other stuff, right? Which amounted up because I, cause I, I forgot to save the article because I wanted to add it all up. But I would say it's like a double three. I added up. It came up to about seventeen million. I mean, seventeen billion. Oh, I got you. I got you. <laughs> well, not seventeen billion, but it came out. It came out to another few billion dollars. You know, so he wanted all this extra stuff, but all he was going to give the Democrats were temporary. A temporary reprieve on uh, on the Dream Act, which he hey this is all in preparation for Trump writing another block. We're having somebody on his behalf write a blockbuster book <laughs> about how I fix the swamp or something. I can't. I don't have a title for it right now. Yeah, but this guy, but this guy. I, I I hate the fact that these people are still out of work, and I know for everybody else who was saying hey, it doesn't affect me. It's going to affect you very soon. Because don't forget, the, uh, the FDA, they're not inspecting food anymore. So, hey, how about an uninspected turkey burger? Would you like that? You know, oh, here's some E. coli in your, uh, in your lettuce. Would you like that? You know. Well, it's not the meat we need to worry about. It's only the vegetables that kill us. So watch out now. <laughs> oh, the, the meat will kill you just as quick. Trust me. I mean, if it's, if it's uninspected, trust that. Um, forget that. I was going to buy, you know, they had like the salad in the bag, your and I was like, oh, hell lunch. no. Your kids eat school lunch. Um, yeah. That's I know, I know, I know, I know. Or, I, know. I mean, I know. like, you think about, um, it's just so many so many layers to this shit. It's, you think about traveling with TSA, um, I'm in a couple of different travel groups. Nobody's really reported Many things except for, uh, I think someone said Houston. Someone did travel to Atlanta. Luckily, they, they said they were in and out pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I'll let you know what it's going to be like this weekend. I'm, bo- I'm going to D.C. this weekend, um, and I'll let you know. That's like I might even have a record. I might videotape the whole shit on how fucked up it is. You know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> <laughs> But um, you figured Donald Trump's whole strategy was like, look, 
I'll give you 50 cents. You give me $5,000. Come on, it's a good deal. To order the deal. Like, as dollar would be a better reference. <laughs> basically. I mean, it, it, it's basically, he tried to get out there and try to, I don't even know how to describe it, man, because he doesn't know what he's doing. And now, anybody around that could have reined him in either quit or got fired. So he has nobody. Uh, no one has his back out there, except for people like Stephen Miller, you know, that, that ghoul. And then he's still got Sarah Huckabee Sanders lying for him every day. You know, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous, you know. But well, we'll see what happens. It's been over, the shutdowns have been going on for over 30 days. So we'll see how much longer this goes on. We'll see who, we'll see who, who, who breaks first. But the Democrats have no reason to take anything he has to offer because anything he offers is just empty promises. Enter your lemon watch. Place your lemon in the back. Do you buy lemons? <laughs> but um, it's we'll we'll see what happens with this whole thing. But I, I'm just hoping that I would say I would hope that Trump comes to his senses. Right now, Trump's not going to budge. The only person who can end this right now is Mitch McConnell, and that's by you're literally playing chicken. Yeah, but they're playing chicken with. Yeah, but they're playing chicken with people's lives. Right, right. You know, the wall is a waste of money, and put it like this: even if it's only five hundred million dollars that he wanted, it's still a waste of money because it's not going to stop anything. You know, you want to. I mean, we've talked about the wall repeatedly, but you know. I have to side with the Democrats on this one. I mean, not surprising, but still. I mean, he's basically, Trump is basically holding the country hostage for what which pretty much is going to amount to a vanity project because it's not going to be effective. It's not going to stop anybody. If you build a 12-foot wall, they're going to start making 13-foot ladders. So it's not going to stop anything. And besides, most people, Illegal immigrants come through at a point at a port uh, port of entry, not just wandering over the border. Not to mention that illegal immig- like border crossings have hit what what they hit like a forty six year low. So there's no emergency going on here except the one that Trump has created. You saw that Trump tried to create another band of caravan uh, another caravan. Like you know. He's trying to do everything he can to scare people, but it's not working. He lost like seven percentage points since this thing happened. So it's he's taking an acid bath on it, and he's not helping himself. So I, I figure like this. How many people have to die or get hurt before Trump just decides, hey, look, I'm going to be a president and not a spoiled brat? And, and I hate to say We'll just have to wait and see, but unfortunately, we'll just have to wait and see. So, 
all you really have to do is find a reference point in history. All he does is mimic po- points in history of the, um, the, of the world. So just find something similar, and you'll know exactly what's going to happen next. True. <laughs> Definitely true. So this one, this one kind of reminds me of Stalin, but I have to do a little bit more research. Hmm. Yeah, I'm, my, my, my world history has always been a little bit spotty, but... I may, I may have to look that up. But I want to say that that's actually... Huh, that's actually all I had for today. So, um, Odie, what are your final thoughts? Um, hmm. Don't be... Don't be the people we were talking about in however many years from now when your loved ones have to look at you spitting on little kids or cussing out Kaepernick or whatever. Just don't be that person in your family. It can help it. Other than that, Godspeed, I guess, on this MLK day. Blue, what are your final thoughts? My thoughts are... You know, like I said before, and I'm keep saying until you know it's time to vote again. You know, if you have a concern, or if you need to bring, you want to bring awareness, hit up your representative. Your representatives are supposed to be representing you and your voice. And if we don't say nothing, they're gonna do what they want to do. Well, shit, I'll be honest with you, they're gonna do what they want to do anyway. But if enough people say, hey, I want it this way, or you need to really focus on this, well, one, you'll get this little generic letter that you can put in your little um, scrapbook and be like, hey, I got a letter from um, Tilly. <laughs> oh yeah, um, but not really. And um, just get in their ear and let them know. Write, call, follow up. Hit them up on the Twitter. Hit them up on the um, Facebook. You know what I'm saying? Get other people involved and do this stuff. Just get you know, get a little grassroots galvanizer group that do the same. You know what I'm saying? It's not considered harassment. Just be respectful when you do what you do. You know what I'm saying? Right. I remember when uh, when Cool Keith uh, years ago when he came out with his Black Elvis album. And um, he put out a, uh, a clarion call to, to get people, you know, because he was on Sony at, for a short time. And he was, like, trying to get them to promote him more. But he also gave a disclaimer. He's like, please, be respectful. i got to work for these people. <laughs> so I could definitely dig that. Because, I mean, if you call up trying to be a crackpot, they're just going to pass you by. But if you give a, uh, you know, a legitimate, well-researched response or question or concern. Exactly. Then, then they'll at least give it a listen. Because you got to think, their norm is not your norm. For most of us, their norm is not our norm. A lot of these people grew up with silver spoons in their mouth. They can't relate to the struggle. Right. You know, when you got when you got Mike Pence comparing Donald Trump to Martin Luther King. You know they're on a completely different. You know level. what though? I ain't even mad at that. And let me tell you, <laughs> I got a theory on why. If he's talking about you know philandering with women, hey, <laughs> <laughs> that's not what he's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it reminded me of when the guy uh, from uh, Paul S. Tompkins was talking about the guy from uh, Girls Gone Wild. After he got arrested, he said that he compared himself to Nelson Mandela because they both fight for what they believe in. 
And Paul S. Tompkins was like, I wish he would have gotten to meet Nelson Mandela. Because I always wanted to see Nelson Mandela smack a man across the jaw with a sock filled with nickels. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but um, I, I put it like this for, for my final thoughts. If you if your excuse for watching the Super Bowl is be, is that you want to watch the commercials, you can watch the commercials on YouTube. Boycott, you know, boycott the Super Bowl. A lot Bowl. of times you can watch it before the, the Super Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> and have a, a more diverse commercial pool because the ones that didn't get approved are on there, and there and some of them are are as good or better. Yeah. I I, I will say. Go easy on Big Boy. Go easy on Gladys Knight. And even Travis Scott, go easy on him. Because though the main thing is, but boycott the NFL altogether. I mean, I was very hard on Travis Scott. I pretty much called him a sellout. But, I mean, not from a traitor to your race sort of way, but in more of a, you know, and, and put it like this. I, I, have to, I have to find out this is true. Supposedly, you don't get paid to, to do the Super Bowl. Yeah, a lot of times you pay. Well, you don't get paid. You pay to be on the Super Bowl because it gives you a larger platform. I yeah. think they said um, when um, Beyonce did it. Odie, I have to give us the correct number. She paid, I think, a hundred thousand to do it. Hmm. I did not hear about that. I don't. I didn't know that. That's how it worked. But I will say that makes a lot of sense because right after that, she launched the formation tour. So that I mean that does make sense in retrospect. But I did not know that that's how that works. Yeah. So, but I mean, I mean, the whole thing with Travis Scott and you know giving the money to to Van Jones's charity is is a good thing. But I'll put it like this: I, I know I know we're past time. If you know what money? What are you talking about? What is he giving to this charity? Uh, Van Jones has a charity. I didn't put it in my notes. I apologize. But we um, talked about this a little bit. But um, if you recall, uh, basically. Uh, Travis Scott said that he reached out to Colin Kaepernick to get the okie doke or to get his okay, blessing. Okay. And uh, Colin Kaepernick's fiance or girlfriend or longtime partner, she basically was like on some like cancel that, like no that shit didn't happen. And Cap definitely wasn't going for it. So, but Travis Scott tried to insinuate that he had a conversation with him. But if you did have a conversation, then why didn't Colin get the money? Why are you donating it to Van Jones's? equivalent type of organization. That's how we know, like, the conversation was some bullshit. Right. If, if, you get, yeah, if you're a website and you get caught in a, in a denial of service attack, it basically means there's a lot of extra traffic, traffic. that's designed to keep people... That, uh, bandwidth can't hold it. Right. But what they do is they have... Uh, their software will sniff out all the uh, fake traffic and then just kind of, like, push it out the door. To me, the whole thing about, oh, we're protesting something, but here, donate to this charity instead, that's kind of like the same thing to me. And I know my, my thing's a little bit wonky, but it's in, when all the protesters come out, instead of letting them protest and bring awareness, you're trying to silence them by, oh, well, we're going to donate to this charity, so look, we're the good guys again. And with the NFL, we don't expect, and someone brought this point up uh, yesterday, and I agree with them. It's not that we expect the NFL to cure police brutality, but when the players are voicing their opinions, have their back. That's all they ask is just to have their back and not, yeah, you know. They're not slaves, so get the yeah. fuck out of their face. Yeah. On another note, 
Mm-hmm. Thank you for listening to this broadcast of Politics with Mercer Prescott and his band of eclectic cronies. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the Urban Breakdown podcast featuring hit shows such as Politics with Mercer Prescott and his eclectic cronies. He said, she said, Mr. to Mr. and 360 degrees. Also, Odie, it's time for your plug. Odie has a plug for her own broadcast podcast. Um, or maybe not. <laughs> Grammatically correct by Odie. No, that's not the podcast. What is it? I forgot the name of it. No, that's not my podcast. It was Odie One Can Only See. There you go. There you go. It's, it's coming back soon. <laughs> and we're <Yeah>. out. <laughs> Okay. She whip up in the kitchen plus her head game proper Even if she's a freak, that's a bad little mama She grown, she don't sneak, she don't have that drama That's the type I like to dance for me, have these dollars I'm putting the phone, handle collar, everything hotter When she in the room, you busy doing, you ain't getting out of Into the room, exit the room, everything follows Like Instagram, but damn girl, you could have been a model Just wobbly, wobbly, bounce, bounce, bounce You working it, twerking, making it count Watching it bounce, bounce, bounce. Hey, wobble it, wobble it. Bounce, bounce, bounce. You working it, twerking. Every time you hear the sound, sound. to the club. Yeah, she deserve a crown. I'm sitting below, trying to set a touchdown. Hey, wobble it, wobble it. Bounce, bounce, bounce. Keep turning up. Ain't no man can turn you down. Wobble it, wobble it. Bounce, bounce, bounce. When she in the club, you can see it's going down. Hey, wobble it, bounce. I wanna see what she about. She stay on fleek. She the baddest in town Thicker than a steak, her sauce A1 down If she slid on my plate, you gon' see me bite down No pork, that's kosher If you broke, she'll roast you G like Sosa, she only like soldiers Yo heart's born, hey, hers a little colder She keep it 21, so she only like I'm older So yeah, I'm the man, be damned if I hold her I ain't Alice, but hell yeah, I hold her Spike you more times than a cat that's don't care Cause you swole up, just like kickstands anywhere I I told her, just wobble it, wobble it, bounce, 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 bounce. You working it, twerking, making it count, 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 count. Serving it perfect, every ounce, ounce, ounce. I'm swerving the perfect, watching it bounce, bounce, bounce. Hey, wobble it, wobble it, bounce, bounce, bounce. You working it, twerking, every time you hear the sound. Playing to the club, yeah, she deserve a crown. I'm sitting below, trying to set a touchdown. Hey, this club money too legit, I thought you were fit. Them chicks ain't twerking nothing, smell like tuna fish. Cause they ain't doing this Bad chicks, enemies Usually ain't thick Stop the jealousy Cause she move all heavenly If you got jokes I hear nothing y'all telling me Her hands on bank All day like a television Can't control baby girl Ask why she wobbling Just wobble it, wobble it Bounce, bounce, bounce She working it, twerking Making it count, count, count Serving it perfect Every ounce, ounce, ounce I'm serving the perfect Watching it bounce, bounce